What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like what we're doing, you want to support us on the journey, all we ask is you hit that little subscribe button or drop an awesome review. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangswood, 2010 Wee Bowling Champion based Ooh. out of Central California. There we go. I like that intro, spicing it up. Uh, today, we're doing something a little bit different. We got not just one guest, but we got two, Shannon and Chris, the people behind that Tile Chick brand. Uh, they are absolutely amazing, so we're excited to have them. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us, finally. We yes, made it. we finally made it. Thank you. <laughs> we, we only tried this about five times. Yeah. yeah. I think it was... There was nat- natural disasters. Uh, forget we forgot. I don't even remember the other reasons. Yeah, I think Brett had yeah. a different date. Yeah, it's it's okay. Matt and I had a good forty minute session of catching up, and I was I like, I don't know if they're coming it. today. <laughs> no, sometimes it's nice to be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, before we get into uh, everything, um, tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and really how that Tile Chick uh, brand came about. What's the background story? I'm going to let you do it because no, I've you done go. it so many nope, times. You go. You have a down pack. No, I yeah. want you to do it. <laughs> I don't even know. We're off to a great start. I wouldn't guess that you guys are together. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've done it i've said it so many times on like podcasts that that's I why feel like it you feel better coming from you it's a little bit different yeah but you are that title Jay. welcome to yes, marriage Shannon, Shannon, let's get it. The ass. okay so um the so where did it start okay it all started really way back when in like 2017 chris and i packed up our our stuff we moved to texas from new jersey Um, At the time, I was an accountant. I went to school for that. Chris was working in another field, too. Like, neither one of us were in construction, really, at all. I mean, I grew up around it. My dad has been working heavy construction my whole life, um, and he's had multiple businesses. Um, And Chris has a background in construction as well. But um, that's not really where the story starts. The story starts because we wanted to start investing in real estate. And we just took like a good look at our life at that time where we were. And we were both working really good jobs at the time. But we really just for us to buy a house for us to live in was like we were looking at maybe a 1200 square foot house. um, And the kitchen was like, so small, like a little shoe box, right? And there wasn't even a blade of grass outside in the front yard or in the backyard. Like if you tripped outside your front steps, you get hit by a bus. Like that's how tiny this place was. And the price was like 360,000 or something like that. And it needed a lot of work. And I'm like, man, I just can't imagine working for the next, I don't even know how long we're gonna have to work to even pay for this thing, to pay this thing off. And like all of our other goals that we wanted to do at the time, Like, it just seemed like it was just like this surmounting pile of Mm -hmm. work we would have to do and we would never actually get there in any sort of youth. (laughs) So um, we kind of just took an audit of our life and we were like, let's go. So anyway, we moved and um, pretty much 
it was a struggle from there from 2017. I could let you fill in the gaps or from 2017 to 2020. My batteries running out. I gotta plug in. From 2017 to 2020, we started our business and Go. Okay, why don't you get the plug for the battery and I will continue. Okay, um, So I have a background in, I, in high school, I worked in a cabinet shop, a custom cabinet shop, um, like sophomore, junior and senior year. And then um, I went, I did two years at a community college for um, a liberal arts degree. And during that time, I worked for my friend's dad, who was a um, historic home remodeler. So <clears throat> I worked with him for two years while I was in college for for my associate's degree. And then uh, I got a real job. Not that that wasn't a real job, but I got a career, you know, mm -hmm. no offense. Matt. <laughs> Matt's like, what? <laughs> you know, when grow, like growing up and like, this is something that I think we talk about a lot is, you know, kids are pushed to like go to college and, you know, get a degree and then get into the, into the blue, the white collar stuff because, you know, Construction has a stigma, which is terrible. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was one of those people. Like I, I didn't like, I didn't like, I worked in construction, but I had a, like, I was still kind of a blue collar job, but it was like more public service. Um, I still had this, this stigma against like, you know, blue collar guys, like you're just going to be doing manual labor for the rest of your, your life until you die, you know, like, and that's not I, something I wanted to do. I think it's, it's definitely still around. And, and part of me wants to say that because I'm, I'm the same way with my kids. I would love to see my kids go into the trades doing something, but at the same time, I would love to see them go to college and get a good education and do something that they actually want to do. So part of me is like, it's just parents telling their kids that they want to see them do the best that they can. And I mean, if you stack the two up together, going to college is a good route to end up making good money. But that doesn't mean we should automatically put down the other. I agree. Yeah. So, so anyway, side I'm, I'm curious, jumping back onto that, when did you guys, how, how long have you guys been together? Uh, March of 2015, technically. So mm. um, how was that, eight years? It, it's going on eight years. Um, so uh, basically, we moved to Texas, and the only thing that I, I could think of to do was to start doing construction because it's other than my other job it's all I really knew um so we started a general contracting business and I was doing GC work from 2017 to 2020, 2020. um and how was that having like I, I know that you've had past experience before but obviously not running a construction company what was it like in the beginning uh I call it NFC no fucking clue I had no fucking clue. <laughs> I like that actually <laughs> Um, you know, so it was just trial by fire, you know, uh, bidding jobs. I just winged it. You know what I mean? Like pretty much like I just winged it all the whole deal. Um, I had no contacts here when we moved here. So I found subs via social media. Um, hmm. I thought if they have a good social media presence, like, and I don't mean they have a lot of followers, but. If active. they're posting once a week and they're active and they're showing their jobs, to me, they're probably going to be somewhat reputable because they're not mm -hmm. afraid to show what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I found some good subs that way. Um, the price point here for tile, and this is kind of like how we're going to lead into how that tile chick was created. Um, 
you guys are paying like a buck. They'll they'll do tile for like a buck fifty a square foot. Are you uh, serious? Yes. yes. How much did that guy charge on that house we just bought for that floor? Three grand. How how many square feet you think that was like? Fifteen hundred. Yeah. It was through the whole house. Yeah, fifteen hundred square feet of floor tile, and the tile setter who did the job that we just waterproofed we waterproofed the shower and he had a tile another tile guy do the floor yeah charged him three thousand to fifteen hundred square feet of tile holy What's shit That's two dollars square, square, square foot. Foot. and there was wow. no no prep done so so we hit a point where like you know even from when i started my business i was always big big on like giving like if you're gonna like build something or or do construction like do it right um make sure it looks good you know number one make sure the foundation's right number two make sure the finish work is really good because it's what i would expect to see in my own home um so i hit a point where the the clients did not want to pay the amount that i needed to give a quality finish especially when it came to tile work and the tile guys I was hiring, they were really good. So they were charging me at the time was a lot, six to eight dollars a square foot to do tile. Um, and wow. the customer didn't want to pay. So what wound up happening was I kept taking chunk, a chunk out of my profit on the back end. And you know, for a two-week job, I was making fifteen hundred bucks. Oh Lord. I, I could literally go to Denny's mm -hmm. or, or Waffle House. Or McDonald's and, and, and make that money. Wait, and you'd get free well, food. The Chris says he was NFC, but one thing that I'm gonna tell you guys about Chris is that he is a technical bullshit master. Master. Like if there is something, if you're like, okay, we need to figure out how to build this thing, Chris is going to watch every video, do a read. Google search and read. Every if there's a, a 600 page study, scientific study <laughs> on it, he's going to read it and then he's going to burn that into his memory. And it's going to be the only thing he's going to be able to think about. So if and it'll be can, the only way that it should it, be done. it's going to be the only way it can get done. And if there's even an inkling of you doing it any other way than how that specific study was meant to be done, he will have a meltdown like it had it. And like, that's how he is. And I, it's like, it may have been a part of the, the downfall is that like, he thinks he's NFC, but really does so much research that it kind of bites him in the ass when he- You'd be a pain in the title. ass to work for. But he's also one of those people where he won't say anything. So like someone will like do something and like, he'll just go and do it himself, you know, instead of being like, yo, you got to mm -hmm. fix this, you got to do this. Yeah. And sometimes he did say stuff or whatever, but like, he was trying to work physically and then also manage, manage a job jobs. and then also make sure everything was getting done on time and then deal with the clients. Sorry. That Materials, was just an introduction. Yeah. yeah. So basically good. Good. This is why I was so interested in talking with you guys on the podcast, because like you guys are, I mean, when we were chatting uh, at the trade show, um, like I obviously knew of Shannon, but a lot more goes into the machine that you guys are building. One, you have the creative component and then you have the, operation side of the business. And so that's like the the best type of duo is you have this really strong operator and then you have like this creative visionary that's like 
you know, comes up with all the ideas and then next is you actually have to execute on them. But that's mostly why I wanted to get you guys on the podcast because, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that goes into what everybody sees online. Uh, and there's this whole backend structure that you guys are building. And I think it's really impressive. Thank you. Yeah. And let me wrap up our, Sorry. our, how we got to tile. So basically I had a hard time finding qualified tile labor that were doing, doing the work up to the the methods and standards that I wanted and the guys who did do it were charging me crazy amounts. So eventually I have a mentor here, uh, an older gentleman who kind of took us under his wing. He knew that we wanted to do, do tile work the right way. And he's like, listen, I'm going to retire from tile. And he had a very good reputation in the um, Houston area in the high end area. And in the tile industry period. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, I'll just feed you jobs. I'll take a commission and you can do the work yourself. And if you ever need a hand, I'll come and work with you on, on jobs, on the job site. That's an awesome opportunity. Yes. So we, we stopped. Just give me one second. Sorry about that. <clears throat> we stopped doing general contracting and just did kitchens and baths. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when was that? This was probably August of 2020. Oh, shit. So prior to that, Shannon had been helping me whenever she could with the projects that I was working on, on the weekend, after work, whatever, you know, whatever she she could. Plus, at the same time, we were renovating our own house that we had bought. Um, So when I was off doing a project, a paying client project, she was here doing, putting in baseboard. On our own, like, you know, no supervision. That's awesome. So um, you guys, you guys went from where? Where did you say you were from? Jersey. Yeah. Unable to buy a house to move into Texas. Able to buy a house. Self-employed. Start a business. And the journey started there. I yeah. mean, we used up all of our savings. Yeah, so. about eighty thousand. What, yeah. what was uh, you guys kind of went like you briefly went over this, but Shannon, you were you know doing accounting before this, like. And you guys were in New Jersey. Like, what was the thought process of like, we're going to pack up our bags and we're going to move to Houston to start this new life. Was it ultimately the kicker was, you know, New Jersey, we don't really see a future here. Like we're going to pack our bags. Like what was the final decision for you guys? So you want to know, like, what's really funny is I, so I started at the last job I had, which was my, like, it was my dream job. Let me tell you, like my whole entire college career, everything. I was like, I want to work here and I want to do this. This is the coolest job ever. But when I finally got there, um, it was like the most boring place ever. It just doesn't fit my personality. And I think that the problem is, is again, like, you know, my dad wanted me to go to college and get a degree and do all this other stuff. Like, oh, I can't end up like him, but really like he's, been successful on his own for provided a life for us my entire life, like without having to go report to somebody, you know, and like, for some reason, he never saw that as a success, you know, but now looking back, you know, obviously, that's pretty impressive. But anyway, um, I, when I was sitting at this job, I did a lot of like, I started reading because I had so much free time. And I was just like blazing through like all these different books. And I came across a book, called uh rich dad poor dad oh my god okay yeah yeah so it's so ridiculous it is really ridiculous but then I started talking to him about it 
And I was like, man, like, this is so like, I really, I feel like I'm on this little hamster wheel. I really do. I'm miserable. I hate this. And I can't do this for 30 years. I'm going to be, I'm literally going to, can I do anything else? Like I'll sweep the concrete outside. Like I can't (laughs) sit here like this for 30 years, checking off the calendar, waiting for my pension. I'm bored. That book will change the way you think about money and finance and what you do for a living and much, much more. It, and that's exactly what it did. So truthfully, that was like the start of it all. And I started listening to these podcasts, bigger pockets podcasts. I started reading more books and I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done. And I kind of influenced me. Yeah. I had a, you know, I had a good, I had a good career. I just, um, I wasn't getting the fulfillment out of it that I used to, um, things changed political environments or like, we're not going to get into it, but um, it just wasn't a good place to be. And uh, I miss it, but I don't regret leaving. If that makes any sense. What what made you guys decide on Houston, like out of all places? Um, Well, we talked, we looked at the real estate market first, migration charts where people were moving. Everybody's moving South of the the Bible. Well, you know, Florida, Um, Texas, Arizona, if you look at top places, people are moving in 2023 or 2022, it's going to be Tempe, Phoenix, uh, Flagstaff, Tucson, Houston, Dallas, Austin, you know, you got Colorado, Florida now. Yeah. Um, we wanted to go to Florida, but we didn't because it's like a little bit more expensive if you want to go to like a nicer place. So we chose Houston. Well, we, we had picked three different places. We liked, um, Kentucky, Kentucky. Uh, Houston, because of the migration and, you know, where people are going and the economy down here is always booming with oil and gas. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just said, Hey, let's go visit one. So me and her dad flew down to Houston the week after hurricane Harvey hit and like demolished all of Houston. And And he said, this is wonderful. (laughs) Well, (laughs) my thought was, You know, with every negative thing that happens, there's always an opportunity, you know? Yeah. So I saw it as, well, okay, yeah, it sucks. Like Houston got demolished. This is like, they got hit with Ike in 2011 or 2012. They got hit with Harvey in 2017. Like there's always going to be hurricanes. There's nothing that we can do to stop them, which means there will always be work here. They will always be building and rebuilding so it's a good place to start a construction business. I mean, but now in hindsight, we know that there's always work everywhere. Yeah. But and the funny part is, is when, we when I moved here and we started our, our GC business, I didn't touch one Harvey house. Mm. Not one. I was getting all the people who just wanted regular work done, but they couldn't find a contractor because they were so busy with Harvey houses. Mm-hmm. So, so you were you were still able to fill a little void there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, and that was my goal was to make sure we had work. And, you know, we did. We moved here in December. I had my I had booked my first job by February. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a, that's a big jump. I think it's a jump that a lot of people want to take, but maybe they might be scared to take it. Um, I, I kind of want to shift off of this for just a second and ask you something because I'm, I'm curious. Um, it could be answered by either one of you. But I know for a fact that my wife has things that I do that bug the shit out of her. Um, she, she helps me around the back end of what I do, but if she had to actually work with me all throughout the day, she'd probably kill me. 
So how is it working with your partner day in, day out? And do you guys have a home work-life balance or is it just a big jumble of things? It's a big, it's a big mishmash. Yeah, it's a big jumble yeah. of things. From every, from, from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to bed, it's like, you know, not business, business. It could be at any time. We could just be like, we could be talking about our wedding and the next, the next breath. It's like, Hey, like, what are we going to do for this brand collab? You know, oh, it's, so you guys have ADHD like I do. Oh yeah. Well, she yes. has it way more than me. Yeah. I think I legit have ADHD. No, I think that 100%. he just like has poor planning skills. Yeah. I'm, I'm a progressive. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, honestly, okay. The question of what, what annoys you, annoys us about each other. Yeah. Do you guys have problems like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She don't listen to me. If I give her advice. <laughs> <laughs> not really entirely who's right though 100 percent true who's right when i'm usually right when that's a good that's a good answer answer i was looking for smart man (laughs) no like i'm really usually right like a lot but i wasn't right the other day and i admitted it see what that's a healthy relationship when you can admit it oh that was really bad this is just a really bad miscommunication and like it just was not getting through to my brain and we're literally we go in the store we're arguing in the middle of the store and he's and i'm like no you can lay the tile this way and he's like what are you talking about that's not how you do the shower pan and i'm like why not we're gonna do it this way and i'm like that ain't gonna work but it just wasn't like for some yeah. reason the two plugs were meeting in there he he read the 600 page book shannon yeah i know <laughs> So I, I, I have, so I guess on the ADHD topic, I, I think this is probably a, a funny segue, but you guys mentioned, obviously you guys moved to Houston. You didn't have a ton of connections. It sounds like you didn't have much. You met this mentor that, you know, was teaching you guys about tile. And then the funny segue is like, if you guys are both ADHD, like why the hell, like, how did you decide to specialize? Cause I think a lot of people, especially when they start out, they want to take on any and every job and they just want to take what comes their way. And that's normal. It's kind of like survival at that point. But why did you guys choose to focus and just specialize on the tile? So we did do that. We took any and I was taking shit Mm. like whatever. It doesn't painting, trim work, carpentry, tile. But it wasn't until we met this guy named Paul. Once we met Paul is when we started thinking a little bit differently he started you guys still working with him we do from time to time yeah yeah that's awesome he still sends us people that are calling him for work and it's just like our schedule is just so insane that like nine times out of ten we're like yeah we're six months out before we can take your job and Mm -hmm. they're like oh we can't wait that long and we have two people that we usually refer them to that we know personally so that's nice that we're able to give somebody else you know the work and it's like in our tight network of people um but so what made us focus on a niche was number one um our friend Paul kind of brought us in under his wing and kind of showed us like his estimating process how much took money us on his estimates how much money he was making he was charging people and like getting and getting it mm-hmm. legit getting it and it also filled a void I was having a hard time fi- finding the tile guys that were doing the job waterproofing showers right so I started just saying, like, why don't we just do it on our own? Like, forget all this other BS that, you know, you're dealing with subs who don't know their ass from their elbow. Um, you know, 
Then it's like, if you want, if they, if Chris wanted them to do it right now, they're arguing like that they should get paid more money, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you, you just need to do the job right. The first, like the quality of the work doesn't dictate how much money, like you should make in each thing. Yeah. Like, just come do the job, like it, a labor only, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. do this. That's all I'm asking. And it was just, Chris was like the gopher for the materials had to be there every single time to babysit them. And like, I, I remember one time someone called me for a paint room. Yeah. It was the absolute textbook definition of how not to be a general contractor yeah. is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was like, you know what? Like, why am I going to do this? Like, I'm like literally guys, like I was making like, on a on a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar job, I was maybe bringing it home like thirty five hundred bucks. And it it's not like Chris would didn't want to pay people for good work. Like he was pay, he was willing to pay good money. It's just the problem is is that they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to do it. It's not even just like along the lines of what Chris's standards are. It was like yeah. just complete disregard for like standards at all. You know. I think that's a pretty common thing across the board. Unfortunately, we we've dealt with it as well. Um, it, it was a, a tile shower actually. I had, had to have somebody, I paid somebody to come out and fix it after this guy did what he did, but he was a great guy. I met him at a gas station, chatted business <laughs> for a while. Don't laugh, Breck. That's where I meet most of my people is a gas station yeah, or home. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had a, a bathroom remodel going. I had him do the shower. Price was right. His price wasn't low. His price was high. Everything was great. And for some reason, this man, he, he couldn't fill out a W-9. Um, he just didn't understand like what it was. Pain in the ass to deal with. He ended up yelling at the homeowners for not paying him when they weren't paying him to begin with. We were. Um, so he got he got kicked off that job and we ended up bringing somebody else in to finish it. But it, it's amazing that we like to think that we do things well. We We build to a standard that's a little bit higher than most. And I hope that subcontractors that we hire do the same. But fuck, most of them don't care at all. They get in, they slap some shit up, and they get out. I've got a tile guy working right now that's kind of doing the same thing. So um, I like that you guys focused on one thing and just do it well, because I think that's one of the best ways to do business. I hear about people all the time trying to do 15 different things. We do as much in-house as possible, and it just doesn't ever seem to go well. Yeah, it's it's funny that like now like we focused on this you know, we honed in our skill on this one particular thing. And looking back, it was probably the best thing we ever did because everything I hear is like, folk, find your niche, focus on something, you know, get really good at one, one thing. And, you know, it'll be better off in the long run. And, and it has, you know, that first year that we went under Paul's wing, he gave us like, I don't know, maybe four or five jobs. It was the most money I've made since I started my business. Um, it, it allowed us to have Shannon, quit her her job here in Texas that she was working to come work with me full time, which is kind of how Tile Chick started. Yeah. She started were you doing, were you doing like, accounting when you're in Houston, Shannon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I found a job, like I was looking for a job before we moved here just mm. because I didn't want to have no income. And I found a job like before I even came here. I think Pretty I had awesome. an interview set up for like right after we got here and got the interview, got the job. And I was like, all right, this will do. If you don't mind me asking, what were you making in accounting? At that time, let's see. So I was making more in New Jersey, but when I got here, I was making like, I think the salary was maybe 54000 
Mm-hmm. Maybe. I could be wrong. It could have been like 52, but for some reason 54 is in my mind. Buying a $700,000 house with a $54,000 mortgage sounds like a great idea. Yeah. No. Yikes. Yeah, it, that could be tough. Well, I, I'm glad I, I you think, guys did what you did. I think when uh, when you guys first moved to Houston, you, you, it was probably pretty tempting to focus on the, the Harvey homes. And I think if you guys would have done that, there may have been no that tile chick brand. Do you guys do you guys feel like that's the case? Possibly, yeah. 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 So when did so, it so you got the five jobs initially from Paul, which was the the tile mentor. Is this when the content creation started or when did this No, it probably started off? like it probably started six months prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um oh, Shannon okay. was Shannon was so I had my own Instagram page for my my company. Mm-hmm. And when Shannon would come to work, I would film her doing shit and I would post mm-hmm. and it, it would always do really well. And I'm like, you know, what the I hell? remember I was standing in the kitchen. I was like, oh, look, it's me again. 500 likes, like just <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, oh, look, it's you like doing something really cool. 10 likes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, why don't you start your own page? Like, just start your own page, you know? And she did. Yeah. And it started off her just filming herself, like doing stuff around the house, like, you know, cutting brick that needs to be replaced on the exterior, um, you know, just silly stuff. And then it just kind of grew her helping me at the flip house that we did with our partners that turned out to be a disaster. Um, like, and- let's get into that a bit. What, what happened there? So. Anytime I hear I have a business partner, things typically don't go well. Yeah. So I had a client who I did like a whole home renovation for. Um, They were extremely happy. They knew that we were in the real estate. They had a bit of money to throw around and they wanted to do a flip house. And, you know, they pretty much, it started off as a business thing. We had meetings, the whole nine we planned, we, we found, it took us like six months to find a property. We found a property. We had a meeting. We said this was going to be the purchase price. This was going to be our red- renovation budget. And this was going to be our sale price. And I did all the calculations. I did all the um, uh, analyses. You know, I analyzed yeah, the deal. You- I ran the numbers. I set, I set our sale price. I said, you know, the do the high. Do you remember the numbers? We buy it for what? What was it? Three sixty. We bought it for three eighty five. We had a ninety thousand dollar renovation budget, and our sale price. And I told them, I said, if a nuclear bomb hit Houston, Texas, we could sell this house at X. It was what was it? Five ninety. Yeah, five ninety five or five ninety. So you had about a hundred thousand profit margin. Correct, and it should have only taken us four months. We get the house in November of 2019. I'm in there December to save money. I'm demoing. And, and here's, here was the deal was. Yeah, tell them the deal. Of the- they were going to front the money. We were going to split the profit on the house 50-50. Less, I forget, whatever percentage interest they would have made on the money if it was in the bank. Right? And we we weren't putting up anything. Chris was just going to provide labor. And so his subs and his contacts that he made and managing the deal. Like 
he wasn't supposed to be working in the house, but he did to save to save us all money. So you're putting in sweat equity. That makes oh, sense. Oh, hundred percent. So all the while, while he's there, like we're not making any money from jobs. Like the only income, luckily, I had a job, but like it wasn't a lot, you know. So I was sneaking in tile. I think I snuck in like two or three tile jobs throughout the. Yeah. Oh, so you guys were writing solely on this. Were Were you guys creating content during this too, as well, or no? No. I mean, we took a couple videos, but it yeah. wasn't to the capacity or the thought process yeah. to what it is right now. This was before I started anything. So what did this house end up selling for after four months? It it the the the, the renovation budget went up to 130000 Yes, because the wife walked in and was like, I'm getting chills. We need to do this. Like she legit thought she was on an HDTV episode legit the okay. way those, those was, aren't real <laughs> when she walked in the house was just like and me and chris looked at each other and like we buy the house she walks in and you're like we gotta blow out this wall we're gonna blow out this wall oh yeah do this yeah. we're gonna do we're gonna put hardwood hold on she eighteen thousand dollars in hardwood flooring you the guys just ended up alone. with the wrong people that the problem was is that she was hell-bent on thinking like a homeowner not an investor yeah i was gonna so say she didn't have the right really mindset fucked us bad it like mm -hmm. fucked us so bad like there was so during the in the middle of the construction this was never in the beginning the agreement was we weren't doing inspections in the middle of the work oh i want to get a plumbing inspection i need we need to get the house repiped if we're going to be selling it high end they need a repipe we had somebody come and inspect the pipes. The guy's like, this galvanized pipe was made before such and such. Like, date. So it was, there's it's American, nothing wrong. It was American, American steel. There's nothing not wrong Mexican with the steel. pipes. Like the pipes are in great condition. There's nothing wrong with them. Oh no, high-end buyers aren't going to want this. I'm like, they're not even going to give a shit about the pipes. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, if it passes yeah. inspection, they don't care. They don't care. It's not going to make this the house sell for more money. So did you guys get anything out of this house? Uh, I, so after like seven months, they gave me a check for $3,000, but Fuck that was yeah. not a profit. Lord, the yeah. house sold you got shafted the house sold. Wait, wait, she, so she came in one day and said, we're going to increase the sale price to six seventy. I think we can get six seventy on a random Wednesday. We're there like trying to paint the cabinets. And me and Christopher are like, we're not, you're not getting 670 for this house. And this is after her ha sending emails. I don't know what Atlantis construction is doing. This is taking way longer than projected. I said, we, we have, we're doing, we're doing entire house plumbing. She's like, well, why can't we be doing finished? Like, why can't we yeah. be hanging sheetrock? We're like, I'm like, we can't bring it. Like we got to leave the walls open for inspection. <laughs> zero concept of construction management, like zero. And the order of trades, like none. Hold on. She ordered the beam, the 25-foot beam that was going to go in this house. Matt. She wanted Christopher to bring it inside because it was going to rain. The thing's like a 1,000 pounds. Matt, it was a 25-foot <laughs> LVL uh, power beam. It was two feet wide by, I think it was uh, five and a half inches thick. And she wanted me to bring it in the house because it was going to rain. Oh, no, no, no. She wanted me to move it out of the driveway. To where? Into the grass. I have videos of me using a two by four to try to, you know, like on a cantilever to try to roll this thing into the grass. 
They'll fucking do like more snap. No fucking joke. What did this place end up selling for? Five ninety five. Wow. The price I told them it would sell at, and it sold after COVID hit. Yeah, it was on the market for a year, right? It's probably only worth about one point one million now after inflation. You want to know what happened before COVID hit? Uh, A factory blew up and it fucking leveled a whole city block, like three miles from the house. Wow. No joke. No joke. Oh my lord. Well I, I told them I said if a nuclear bomb hit, the house would sell for 590. It sold for 590. <laughs> the problem was is they were 130,000 into the renovation versus the 90 that we Yeah, doing. there's 40, 50,000 dollars left. There's nothing. And then there. also all the holding costs were increased because they priced it so high, it sat forever. So Yikes. Yeah. Well, so it's this, a good experience this, to have. Everybody should do it at least once and then you'll realize that it's better to have a good partner than but like there during that time, that was probably the lowest of the low for for me, personally. What like, what what year was this? Was right when you guys moved. This was twenty eighteen into twenty nineteen. Okay. okay, so right? I, I I'm I'm assuming this was kind of the the catalyst behind you guys going. Okay, we're only going to focus on doing stuff yeah. by ourselves, and then yeah. when when did the the content stuff like when so- when did that start to click? So it was, so I lied. It was 2019 into 2020. We okay. bought the house. We got the house November of 2019 and we worked on it through 2020. COVID mm-hmm. hit March. So that makes sense. Yeah. She started filming content like January, February of 2020. And there was a catalyst there too. Like I wanted to go to this training class, Schluter. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yeah. They waterproof showers. Yep. They do two day classes. I wanted to go four hours away and stay the night to take this two-day class i we like fought about it like i'm like i want to go like i want to go she's like no like we can't afford it and i'm like no we can't but if maybe i'll make some connections or maybe something will happen there you know you never know who you're going to meet or what Mm -hmm. what's going to happen at this time i didn't believe in connections because this these Mm. this family like we got so embedded with them and like we trusted them and i trusted them and it turned out to like just completely yeah, the connection that you had fucked you over. Yeah, so I was like, I we can't. I've always been this way. Like, I can't rely on anybody, and that was kind of like the proof to me. And I was like, screw connections. We don't need connections. But we ended up going. I was like, all right, fine, we'll go. Oh, you guys both went. Yeah, mm-hmm. I took her with me. Can you fix the light? What's wrong with it? Look at it. You're overexposed. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So we ended up going. Uh, and me, Chris, and the two dogs, we brought Major and Loki because the hotel we were staying at um, allowed dogs. So we brought them with us. And uh, it actually turned out to be a really great experience because we met the reps and the um, like the territory manager for Houston, Texas of Schluter. And we ended up becoming very good friends with the territory manager. Like we still hang out with them like every holiday. They're pretty much like our family now. So yeah. we go there for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Um, um, that's awesome. So this, this picture. Which one? Of us at the Schluter class. Oh. I just want to show them this picture. Right here, you passed it. That was at that class. That was February of 2020. And that's when we sat down and we had a friend 
who had a pretty well-known Instagram. Oh, I forgot all about this. Um, what the fuck was his name? Tank Machine. Tank Machine. I don't know if you ever saw so any of his stuff. He was like involved with Black Rifle Coffee in the very beginning. Like, I remember you showing me the video. And yeah. like, so Tank like made all these funny videos. And then like, turns out like his page started blowing up. But like, we were just following him. And then how did we meet him? him and I would just chat randomly on, on IG, like just back and forth. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Houston. Um, I'm doing a photo shoot with black rifle coffee. Okay. And do you guys want to be a part of the shoot? Like be the models. Really me. Yeah. We're like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. So after that, we developed a relationship and we became friends. So I asked him his advice. I said, you know, like how, how did you like grow your page? Like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, and this was his advice. He was staying the night at our house. He said, you got to do something that different than everybody else. So uh, me, uh, I don't know, on a whim, I'm just like, well, your content does really well um, whenever we post or whatever on my, my construction page. And I'm like, and there aren't really any, there aren't really a lot of tile girls who do tile. I said, so why don't you start a page? for for time and i came up with why don't you be the first i was like why don't you be the tile girl or i was like what about that tile chick and oh, she, like, she hated it so stupid i don't <laughs> he's like so what are you gonna be tile queen i'm like definitely not and so we just we started her page february of 2020 so did that directly benefit you guys like in the tile business as well were you guys gaining clients from it like what what did that do for you so it, yes, we did gain clients from social media. Initially, no, like nothing. There yeah. was nothing. It, it was from nothing. From the beginning, it was like really slow. It was brand building. In the beginning, yeah. the first year, brand building, brand so recognition. That, so that's 2020. Yeah. yeah. Did it pop was, off was that... quick though? Did it pop off quick? Yeah. I think so. I... Go ahead, were, you guys, were you guys committed to building your brand? Because I mean, I talked to a lot of contractors and I'm sure you guys hear this as well. But they're always asking, like, what's the ROI? Like, can we get clients from this? Or they're always kind of looking for the the conversion right away. Um, did you guys have a different mentality of like, hey, we're just going to commit to building content. Like, if it brings us connections, whatever, then great. But we're going to just start off by, like, trying to position in this digital medium. Like, what, what was your guys' thought process? Because yeah. obviously, it would have been very discouraging if you're like, hey, we're going to try to go for conversion. And you're not getting that in the first six months. Like anybody that goes into that with that mentality is obviously going to quit, but you guys didn't. No, and exa that's exactly it. Like we went in to just truthfully, I don't think either one of us really knew or had any expectation. It's because Tank told us like, he's like, you know, oh, well, like if you really can make your build your brand online, like a lot can change for you in a very short amount of time. Like he didn't say, oh, you can make a lot of money or, oh, he didn't say like, you can like become millionaires or whatever. It mm -hmm. was just, that was basically what he said. And he's like, it, you can build a brand and like build a lot off of that. And so we were like, okay, like that was kind of our goal was just to get more well-known. It wasn't like to get more customers, to make more money. It was like, just to build our page. Really, mm -hmm. that was the very fundamental point of yep. it all. And um, we learned a lot as we went. We really didn't know anything in the beginning besides be on the be on the platform, engage with as many people as you can, create as much content as you can, do it as often as you can, and be consistent. 
Yeah. And that was it. Like we were getting customers from Paul and working with Paul and making content. Mm -hmm. There is no measurement on the, yeah. so if you were to ask us when we started, so I'm, I pulled up screenshots, August 4th of 2020, we started the page in February. She had 10,000 followers. So March, April, May, June, July, six months. Wow. She went from zero to 10,000. Um, if you were to ask me back in August of 2020. This was before reels too. Mm -hmm. Well before the wow. reels. That's even more impressive then. That we would have made the amount of money we made in 2022 on social media alone, I would have told you to get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. No way. Yeah. If we went back into How do you measure that investment? How do you quantify yeah. that? The time that we put in to make six figures two years later mm -hmm. for creating content. And don't get me wrong. It's 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 a lot of work. Like There's a lot of work. Uh, of course. Never in my right mind would I have thought that we would be where we are today. Well, it's, that that's year, the value in finding your lane. That year, tw the end of 2020, Shannon goes, what's the purpose of all this? We're not even seeing anything. Yeah. She I wanted like, to quit. So frustrated. I'm like, we spend so much time and effort and hours and like, you know. I'm talking like up to one o'clock in the morning, answering every DM mm -hmm. and every comment. At going out and doing what I call direct action engagement, where you go out and you find other pages or other um, yep. profiles in your field and making the connection, yeah, reaching like out, commenting, commenting on their stuff. Not just like flame emojis, like really watching their stuff, getting to know them. Like When you respond to a comment, taking the time to click on their username to see if they have their real name in their profile and use their real name in, in the comment. Yep. That kind of stuff. So wow. you guys were starting to get traction on the the content. I mean, you <clears throat> mentioned obviously before reels, but uh, you guys were at like ten thousand. You're staying up till one a.m. I obviously spoke with you guys in person a couple of months ago, but you you'd mentioned like you were kind of went through this period for maybe a year or something where you're like, oh, should we continue doing this stuff? Like, talk to me about that kind of rough patch and like ultimately what got you guys through that to make the commitment again to to keep going so at that time i was very very active in like the community facebook groups for tile like so mm -hmm. i was very heavily involved like chris was like if you are going to set tile or you're going to be in this trade like you have to really be involved with the people who are really good and so i did that for a long time so and i like i made connections that way so the reason i wanted her in these facebook groups was because that's where all the industry leaders were. Yeah. The people who run the um, the associations, mm -hmm. CEOs of, of certain manufacturers, they are all active in those groups. Mm -hmm. So those are the people that I wanted to have know who she was and what she did. That was the only reason. Yeah. It was strictly for networking. And like when I would post in there, it was like, if we think regular social media is bad, like these groups are like going to an underground tunnel, like with rats. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just another world. And these people just act reckless in there. 
and um, street savagery and i've never experienced anything like that like now facebook's a lot of the older generation you're getting people that are 40s 50s 60s it's just it was it was a lot for somebody like me who's not like my Mm. father i would i would go to work with my dad when i was in college and my if i said to my dad oh i can't do this i'm too scared he's like what are you talking about you're too scared like just pick up the tool shannon and do it like it, that's how he was. Never, ever did I ever feel with my dad that I couldn't do something. So for the fact that, like, I never grew up thinking that, like, ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you could just do whatever you want. doesn't matter. And um, when I got into these groups, it was like a different world to me. I was, it was culture shock. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it like messed with my mind where I was like, here's an example. I, I have to. Here's an example. I have so many screenshots. It's bad. I'm petty. I'm really petty. December 8th, 2020, somebody posted in a group. How many of you guys look to use social media to grow your brand? For example, growing your following to a point that you will allow you for bigger opportunities than just more jobs. Here's a, here's a comment. Sometimes I wish I was a female and could post provocative pictures to get more attention slash likes and then act like it's because of my skills. It's a, wow. it's a, low blow to because she was really the only active female in the industry at the time mm-hmm. so but it, it was worse than that there was a lot yeah. of like direct attacks to me really derogatory like weird things that happened weird things that were said that were just like borderline sexual harassment and made me feel mm-hmm. very uncomfortable and a lot of the underlying theme besides the sexualization of everything was that it was like oh well you should just shut your mouth and do your trade and do your job and let your work speak for itself. Like you shouldn't be promoting yourself on social media. And so for a little while there, before we were making any money from doing it or before we were even like recognized as anybody reputable, I was like, what's the point of this? Like, can we just go to work and like Mm. do the job and not not, take the uh, emotional beating? Yeah. Like, I don't want to take, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And like, that's kind of, that was kind of the root of it. It wasn't so much that it was like, social media or the extra work it was really just because it was like the extra mental load that I was taking on because of all these people and um I just had to get over it and I kind of I did and that's just that like I'm better for it now but truthfully at the time I didn't want to deal with any of that and like I just wanted to get away from it I'm like oh Mm -hmm. I'll just do the trade and I'll shut my mouth like I don't need what do I need social media for they're right you know I, I, you know, I, I tried to encourage her to push through and to ignore it, but it's easier said than done, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody else. Um, I didn't, I, I never. But before you say what you're going to say, because I have a feeling I know, like we've never posted there is 100% girls that like, will take videos from like certain angles and do things mm-hmm. like, Girl, I don't care. Like, I am not a hater. But, like, we weren't doing that, genuinely. We just were not, you know? And- no, and I, I think that it you kind of just get grouped into that whole stereotype because there are, in fact, and I, I could name names, but we won't. There are, in fact, people that use sexualized content in order to personally benefit. Yes, I- like... There, there definitely is. So, and that's fine. That's yeah, great. That's good for you. But it's like, if I was doing that, I would be fully expecting the comments. But... I'm really not. And yeah. First okay. of all, you wouldn't like, like, let's call it how it is. You're, you're a beautiful girl. Like you, you're in, you're in good shape. You wouldn't be pretending to do fucking tile 
to try to sexualize your body to make money. Like you would just straight go yeah. to OnlyFans. Like if you really didn't care, like if that was your goal, you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't be slinging tile. I mean, I, yeah, I could have just put a bathing suit on and started taking pictures. Like, <laughs> it's just the, the, the problem. I don't know. Like, so I think I let that get to my head way too much. And I was like, wait, am I like doing this? But I wasn't like, I, I was literally being gaslighted into thinking that that's what I was doing. And I wasn't, I was legit working, sweating my balls off just like Chris. Your In balls. That- <laughs> Holy shit. I got questions. <laughs> I got fucking questions. You know, like- you're you're in an industry though where um I know a lot has changed over the years, but like growing up, um I got into this trade very young. I was 15, 16 years old. Uh, I worked alongside my grandfather for a bit, who was in his 70s now. So he was doing this shit when major development was happening in California. And all growing up, I heard for years that if it was easy, women and children would be doing it. And that that's just how it was. And that it's, it's not just it's not just one person's thought process that was fucking the trades all through the 60s 70s and 80s because it was hard-ass work they were hand driving this shit they weren't shooting guns like it was a different world back then yeah so we hit a point like probably like november december of 2020 the first year that we had started that tile chick at that time she probably had like i don't know 20 or twenty-five thousand instagram followers and she kept questioning, like, we, you know, I'll be honest, we would fight about it. She's like, what the fuck is the point? You know, we're not making any money. Yeah, it's like, let's just focus on our job. We're not getting get anything really good at what we're doing from this. On that. And one thing I'll tell you about myself is when I set my mind to a task, there is no not doing it. Like, it's going to get done. At some point, did you guys ever feel like you were giving back to the towel community enough that it didn't matter if you made money? No, because the the overwhelming negativity that we got from the people like who really mattered in the industry well they don't really not, matter that's, that's the, we thought they mattered the but problem that we is we thought put mattered. them up on a pedestal and we weren't realizing that our audience isn't the people who have been doing it 30 years that are masters already but my that's our not- thought pro- my thought pro- was like the negativity was outweighing any of the positivity that we were seeing but I just think that was our own. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a de- definitely a mindset sw- switch. Yeah. Um, am I answering your question correctly? Yeah, I, I have a question, Shannon. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we have a low percentage of women in the construction industry. But like, what would your advice be on women coming into the trades? Like, obviously, you've had both positive and a lot of negative experiences uh, like people um you know commenting things or or sexualizing your your effort in the trades obviously that's not good but like what advice do you what advice yeah i even i even see your comments matt there it's interesting uh anyways (laughs) what would your advice be on like how how should someone come into the industry and like you know as a woman, because I understand the the fear. Like I don't experience that same thing, but I I see it. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of girls that I talk to that like they'll come to me and be like, "Oh, like this is what happened. Like, what should I do?" And I, the true honest answer, and it may not be the best answer or the best advice. Actually, I think it's the best advice because it's the only way to do it is like, you have to realize that that person on the other side, whoever is saying it or doing it and causing that pain to you is like, there's something wrong with them. 
whatever it is, whether it's like they were brought up a certain way or like they have, they're in not like insensitive, but like unable to like recognize that you're a person with feelings. And not only that, they're dealing with something that's making them put out that negativity. Yeah. Like there's something that's going on with them for sure. That makes them think it's okay to say and act that way. And in my opinion, as a female to react to people that act like that, you're giving them like you're giving them Mm -hmm. the fuel that they need whether it's you're crying you're getting angry you're you're literally giving them your time yeah like and any of that is going to make them continue because it is what they feed off of like those types of people they literally will feed on that and so then they become like a cancer and they're like mooching off of that energy because they look for that Mm -hmm. um and so my best advice is you're going to have to deal with it like and either you can really truthfully be solid in yourself like I'm talking have confidence you know love yourself enough it sounds so corny but it truly is because it's the truth because even there was a time where like I wanted to dress different but like tile doesn't require you to be in a turtleneck and pants like it is a finished trade for the most part and everybody in tile is like a prima donna I'm not digging in mud you know, it's very rare that like we have to, you know, cut up a subfloor and like it's concrete and we get dirty, like maybe one or two times, like not it, it, like one or two days really out of the month. Like it's not like every day we're going to work and we're doing heavy construction like that. It mm-hmm. is not like that in this trade. So um, it's like in other trades. OK, like, yes, there's different requirements for your clothing. Well, um, yeah, you totally know. understandable. But even those women are still going to get sexualized regardless. And the only way to really do it, get over it, do it, show up, do your job, and you cannot react. If you react, you give them what they need. Going back to that, though, I I have two girls at home. If we were to ever have a female employee on site and anybody ever did anything like that, obviously, being a a dad to two girls, you would would fucking say something. So Mm -hmm. I, I get what you're saying. But at the same time, don't you feel like if they if they went to work at Walmart and got sexually harassed, the fucker would be gone in a day. So yeah. in, instead of, I mean, I get that we can't change the whole industry as, as quick as we'd like to, but, and I, I guess being quiet is the way to fix it now, but don't you think that we need to shift the industry as a whole to where people can walk in and not instantly like be attacks? I 100% agree. So I have a couple instances. One where I have a friend who's a plumber she worked on a commercial site. I'm not going to mention her name. Um, I know she shared the story or whatever, but um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So like she actually went to her boss and like the whole thing, like she ended up getting fired for mm-hmm. it. And like, it was just a whole big like mess. And I don't, I think that that experience on her like messed up her mental, like, like, I don't think that it weighed good on her mental like health at all. I think mm-hmm. that it kind of, like ruined her interest in her trade for a little bit. And that's not right. Like, I just feel like you go to your boss and you tell them that there's a problem happening, that they should deal with it. You know, like they should be able to fix it and make it better and fix their workplace that can be a better environment. And he wasn't able to do that. Um, And then I have another friend who her boss was able to do it. Like he had a conversation with the guy, fixed it, got her away from him, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think that it, it really does all depend on the culture of the company. 
Like I, I think this gets phased out in the next 10 to 15 years as we have this generation that, I mean, for the most part, really don't think that women should be in it, that they need to get out of the industry. And I think as we get farther and farther down the road, it'll change. But yeah, Breck, your question, did you guys ever think about quitting or like, what was that like? Yeah. Shannon had a hard time dealing with all this stuff. Like, and, you know, as much as I tried to encourage her and tell her to ignore it, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's really like, if I, I think I, like, we fought about it and I'm like, well, if you want to quit, then we're going to quit. Like, that's it. He's you know, like, I didn't want to quit. It. I'm He's like, like, I'm full speed esteem. Like once you get the locomotive moving, you're yeah. not stopping. Like, it's not going to stop. He was like, we'll give it one more year. He's like, can you just try one more year? And if it doesn't work, if there's nothing good coming up, we'll and, just shut it down. And you got to remember, like when she went like she went through this phase guys, like where she was like completely disassociated, didn't want to have anything to do with social. Mm -hmm. So like uh, now I'm on her page, like I'm doing the engagement. I didn't um, even want to take stories. Like she didn't want to do, I'd have to like, please, can you do a story? Like, just let mm -hmm. them know what we're doing today. Like, you know, I had to be the cheerleader and get her to be, want to want to do this. And then like January or February of 2021 hit and spider blades reached out to us and they were our first brand collab mm -hmm. we we charged them they paid us 500 a month for one post we're going to be completely transparent here yeah um and we did one post a month that was our very first brand deal mm -hmm. and then after that things kind of took off we started talking to matt more um that was 2021 i think Maybe in the summer. He's well, by like, that time we were partnered with Upstride, but we had no idea about yeah. anything. And then like we started talking to Matt, and it was like Spider and Upstride. That was it. Yeah, and then and then we decided to pitch, to put together a proposal, and pitch and ex. Uh, we didn't want it to be exclusive, but it turned out to be exclusive. Um, a longer term brand deal with one of the more reputable tile manuf our mm -hmm. tile adhesive manufacturers called Laticrete. Um, the CEO, the current CEO of Laticrete had always been supportive of Shannon in these groups. When He has three daughters. He has three daughters. Um, so He's not an asshole? No, he's he's a very good CEO, very good businessman. Their, their company is always trying to innovate and change. And I'm not just saying this because we're we're partnered with them. Yeah. It's the reason why we wanted to partner with them. Yeah, yeah your values align. Yeah. They kind of aligned with the way that we thought that business should be done. And you know, they were always trying to stay a step ahead. So this was late 2021 that you signed with them? Uh we yeah. sent them the, the proposal late 2021. It was like three months of like back and forth working yeah. out details, this and that. So that was like you guys' first big deal. Yep. And then we we started with them January of 2022. Yeah. Okay. And then shit just exploded. So then, what does that look like as far as the the whole process behind the scenes? You're you're filming, editing, things like that. What? So that was obviously whole, now you're a lot more in depth than you were then. That was a whole learning process in itself because I imagine so. Because they have never worked with anybody. Are we talking about working with the brand? You guys in general, your brand. Yeah, you guys. Well, so you. We went from contractors to content creators and then try to figure out a way to be both. Because you got to remember, if I'm working in your home, Breck, 
Mm-hmm. I can't take six weeks for something that's going to take two because I'm out here with my iPhone. Yeah. We have requirements and meetings and like, like with brands and this and that, but also trying to actually physically get the work done. It was almost, and film. yeah, it was and edit and still be able to like stop to take a break. <laughs> there was no break when I was waiting, like in between filming and working and making cuts for her while she's setting tile, I'm filming the video like in the 15 minutes where I have to mix up more thin set and wait for it to like slake, I'm editing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, we can only work as much as that bucket is allowing. So like the in the car, in the car on tra- in traffic on the way home, if we're stuck on the highway, I'm editing video. Yeah. No job. So like we would have to like, Chris is like, okay, but well, we have to do this video. And like the bucket, the, the, the thin set is like getting harder and harder. And like once that thin set, goes off you know it's not not usable anymore and so it like it depends what brand you're using but like some of them only have like a 40 minute pot life and it could take 40 minutes to like put a whole video together to do one video to do the concept do this like and just to like do a quick point and shoot like it's just it could take 30 minutes like your whole bucket of inset is wasted you know what i mean and um Mm -hmm. it's just it was hard yeah so that was you know, and then going home and I would go home. The first thing I would do, put my stuff down, take off my dirty clothes, grab my, at the time we had an iPhone. I, we didn't even have like nice cameras and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would come back into the office and I would, I would just be editing till 8, 830 at night. I have a question though. Was there any point in time where that changed from it's a chore to being a privilege? Cause I know I did the same. I, I was on YouTube from 2018 to 2021 every day for same amount of things and for me it was more like uh i'm able to make money from this i'm helping the community and it's a privilege more so than a chore i mean i I was happy to work ridiculous hours because i knew that it was something super beneficial was there ever a time that that clicked for you guys or what has it always felt like work no 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 it was always a it it was and it still is a privilege the chore for me right now is the long format youtube video that feels like a chore to me because it's from a, and you, this is probably going to come off bad to people who don't understand video editing. When you're editing the same type of video over and over again, every week, it's not even that it's a chore. It just, it becomes hard for me to focus on it because it's not so much more creative. Like we were being creative for the short form stuff. It's more, it's very like, all right, here's the intro. Here's the second intro. Here's the first step, second, third, fourth, fifth. Okay, here's the outro. Yeah. Let's add music. Let's color grade. It becomes you, a chore. Do you guys think that you're having a long-lasting effect, though, on the, the tile industry as a whole? Yes, without a doubt. Like, that, that was something that kept me going for the longest time. Is like If you look about a frame, chances are we have the, the search engine dominated. But like that, to me, was worth every bit of it. Because it's like, I know for a fact that when I'm done and I, I close this door and go to the next one, that will always have some sort of impact. So that that has to feel feel good for you guys knowing that you're doing the same, right? Yeah, no, it 100% does. And the more that I, so for me, it wasn't a privilege until like the end of last year 
where I'm starting to realize that like all that I have, all that we've done, the positive impact that we have, because I was focused on all of that negative stuff. And mm -hmm. I was too worried about the, you know, the culture shock that I had experienced from working as a professional in an office where like you have to respect everybody to now it's like completely a different world that I'm in. Um, so I didn't see it as a privilege. Like Chris was like 100% doing a lot of the heavyweight for like the social media. Me, I was like, I want to be good at what I'm doing, know what I'm doing, know what I'm talking about. And like social media can kiss my ass as far as I was concerned. And so like now it's like, I recognize the importance of it and how like much of a positive impact it has. And I'm now realizing so for me now, it's not a chore. Like I'll go and I'll make my own videos mm -hmm. or I come up with my own concepts where before I was like, I don't care. Yeah. We'll do whatever. And I'm not trying to sound like a cry, cry baby. Like video editing is like, I would love to outsource it so I could take more time. With the creative stuff. Enjoying the creative side. It's physically editing like, you know, four hours worth of count content into 15 minutes becomes a chore, you know. Yeah. But at the end when I'm done, and I see the comments on YouTube because it's mainly YouTube that is the chore. I'm like, okay, cool. Like a lot of good, a lot of people are getting like good, good info out of this. And it makes me happy. I'm going to send you guys a book from, um, I don't know if you're into rap music, but I've listened to Russ since I was a little kid. Um, dude's amazing. He's killing it, but he has a book called it's all in your head. He's an independent artist and, and dealt with criticism and things like that for, for years and years. Um, that book changes the way you think about quite a bit, especially towards like um, negative things being cast upon you. Uh, it was something that I dealt with for a long time. I was, I'm not a female in the trades, but I was 21 showing people how to frame. And that was not something that was uh, thought as a, a positive thing. It was more like put the fucking camera down kid and learn what go, you're doing. Go first. learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now we're a uh, hundred million plus views deep and we've helped a lot of fucking people. So I don't, I don't regret any of it, but I'm going to send you guys a book tour. You could read it. it it's definitely, I, I know that you guys are out of your own head now, but you'll probably wish you did it a little sooner, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's what it's 100%. I was definitely in my own head. Like there's no better way to describe and, that. And you know, like the, the struggle, you know, everybody has their own struggle and their own level, the struggle that we had, like from 20 from 2018 to 2020, like if you go back and look at pictures of me, I, I wasn't going to the gym. I was fat and overweight I was unhappy, you know, and the way I looked at it is let's just, we just got to keep our heads down and keep going. And yeah. Um, so then know. fast track to now, I mean, obviously you guys said you had a great 2022. Um, I told you guys, you got a great 2022 coming. And I think that was before a lot of the stuff popped off for you guys. What is it looking like now? I know you guys have, you have a shop that you just started renting her own. You're decking that out. You're, you're shifting a lot more towards a, a positive impact on everything. What, what does that look like for you guys now? So we have, we still, we, we always have a lot of work. Um, we need to build out the studio. And basically the plan is to have three full size bathrooms in this studio that we can create content in and not be limited by a paying client as to what they want. Number one, it lets us be very creative to do and teach whatever it is that we want. Number two, if there's a brand that approaches us and says, hey, we want to do this, we can be like, oh, yeah, sure. We got a spare, we got a spare bathroom ready to go. Like, we can yeah, do this. Can do anything. Um, so it kind of opens up the door and frees us 
up a little bit from being pigeonholed into one paying client bathroom where we need to create our content around that. Where, where it's like client first, content mm -hmm. second. Yeah. yeah, this way there's no restrictions on what you can do. Yeah, like we, if we have the time and the job is cool, we might take a job. Yeah. But it's like going to be very like pick and choose for right now. And we have other goals. Like, you know, obviously like we want to buy another property and get this one rented out. Um, we want to, we're, we're like, hemming and hawing on the ideas of like creating some sort of online course thing and breaking it out into like very basic steps and like things that you need to like all the way to different types of subfloor preps and what's required for tile over plywood versus you know whatever just walking people through all of those different basically all the stuff that we had to research and learn we want to condense into a simplified one place where you can go to not have to search out all the info but and, still talk about like those important things, yeah. not just like give people like, this is how you do it. Like, this is where we got it from. This is the requirement, blah, 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 blah. So they do understand like the specs and all that. Mm -hmm. But instead of it just being YouTube videos, it's like a course and people can pay for it and they get step-by-step mm -hmm. step start to finish. And we're able to build all of that out in detail in the studio. So we have empty, empty cope. We had Jordan Smith from empty Copeland. Um, they're they're backed by like the the masterclass people, but um, they were doing something similar with like rough framing with trim with drywall, and I, I think it's a, a really catchy thing because a lot of the courses and things you can find online with tile, with with really any trade, they're so dated that the newest products, the newest mm -hmm. ways of building, are not even being talked about. Yeah. So if you guys can do that and put together something that's pretty well done, I think it would sell like crazy. You're, you're teaching people how things are being done right now, as opposed to those courses that are available online where they're talking 2005, 2006 standards that have been long gone for uh, many years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was also kind of curious to ask, well, both for, for you guys and Matt too, has it ever felt like the content creation side is like outpacing the job side? Like your, your content and your audience has these demands and obviously you're setting up your studio. So I'm starting to get some sort of signal that it's like, all right, we need to better own the content side versus being kind of, you know, with the ball and chain with a client, like you're, you have so many restrictions around that. Um, it, it seems like that's the case for, for, for you, Shannon and Chris. Yes, that's 100. It's like, it's, Exactly it. And the the other thing is that if we're, like you said, it's like the content is exceeding the our ability to get that much work done to be able to create the content that is required in today's, just in today's expectation of like the short form content, like mm -hmm. just easily digestible stuff, like bam, bam, bam. It's like, if we're just building bathroom after bathroom, it's like, you kind of like get brain block of what you can do. And it's like, the, there's so many cool new products out there that we would love to try. But if we mm. are stuck with a client that wants XYZ or has budget limitations on XYZ or just doesn't want something, it's like, well, then we can't do it. Then we're stuck doing the same old thing all the time where now it's like we can, someone can send it, even if they just send it to us and it's this new product that's coming out we're able to now test it without any 
repercussions of it going wrong in somebody's home. And then not only that, we can practice with it, get like really good at it. And then we can show it, record it and come up with all the different types of, you know, creative ways of showing it that can do really well online. And like, for example, we were installing this new drain that's coming out. I sat there for an hour and a half taking this video that I had in my mind that I had that hour and a half just to do that and like take the drain in, take it out, take it in, take it out and like keep doing that. Whereas if we were in a client's home, that would never have happened. I would be getting frustrated. I would be getting stressed that an hour and a half is going by and I'm not getting the video right. And I would probably just be like, forget it. I'm not doing this. Like, because I don't have this time. Like, and you feel guilty because of course you're in someone's house. So yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Matt, have, have you felt similarly? Well, no, because with houses, it's a little bit different. With the kitchen and the bath, I could see wanting to yeah. have your own spot to where you could do that. When you're framing houses, it's like, I mean, the cost to frame a house, you're minimum 100 dollars No, no, I meant, I meant the content demands and not being able to keep pace with. Oh, no, know, I'm sure. probably the worst person in the freaking industry as far as being consistent and doing things like that. I just kind of spitball. So, no, um, I, I'm blessed. I'm thankful, but um, I've always kind of told people that I'm a carpenter first and that's something I don't want to lose because at the end of the day, when all this shit is done, I'll still be building houses. Kyle said the same thing for years with our buildings. Mm -hmm. If all of this were to disappear tomorrow, I would be building houses, doing the same thing. And then obviously once I am done with all of it myself, I still plan to build for myself, develop shit. So, um, Mm -hmm. is it, is it beneficial? Absolutely. Is it great? Can you make a lot of money? Sure. But, um, I want to remain a carpenter and then let that kind of just be like a beneficiary. So our, our entire business model changed, you know, like we were tile contractors first and 2021, Mm -hmm. all of our money came, most of our money came from paid client projects. 2022 took a big flip. I think we worked what five jobs, five paying. Really? totaling maybe like 80 grand and the rest of the money came from from social yeah like between traveling doing content like there was just no more time so my my thought is down so a lot of excuse me my thought is is to piggyback on matt we'll always be able to fall back on being a tile contractor but if we can ride this wave now I'm going to jump on and ride it for as long as it's going to go. And when it crashes, yeah, I, I worry about that now, Matt. We talked about it. Yeah, we did. Um, I want to make sure we're set for the future, but we can always go back to what we know, which is doing tile. And if we can somehow monetize spreading education and information and entertainment via social, I'd rather do that. Yeah. You know, because we're – Yeah, we can make one person happy by doing their tile project. But if we can make 10 people happy or 10 people able to to vet their contractor because they're not doing X, Y, Z and have a better experience in their own home, I would rather be able to put out that type of work. Yeah, you're you're providing for the tile industry, but that, that then comes down to the fact that you guys are professionals in your industry and the content branches off of that. You know what I mean? You're not like TikTok stars where you're just going to pop up really quick and then entertain people for a little bit. You're bringing value to a certain industry. 
So like, that's the same way that I feel with, with carpentry. Like what I've provided has helped so many people that while I'll, I'll be completely transparent, I've made a fucking hell of a lot more money on social than I have work. Like I've, I've never, never been one to hide that. There's a reason behind it though. And it's your, your guys' love for tile. It's my love for carpentry. I want to share as much as I can with it. And whether that brings a monetary value or not, that's like the ultimate goal is to, to help as many as you can. So I like what you're saying about you'd bounce back to tile in the case that everything did come to an end, but tile, ultimately that trade is what is catapulting you guys to where you are today. Yeah. That's the awesome part. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe we would be like do fitness stuff. Like I I just can't think of anything else that we would have done or like what we like. Yeah. But truthfully, I think that tile is like such a good bridge for all of the things that make us who we are. Like, between we like I don't know why we like to physically torture ourselves we like to go to the gym um we are into real estate just so happens that bathrooms and kitchens are like two of the most important rooms inside the house and like we can do that with our eyes closed and it's it's really you know all the other stuff is I'm not saying it's easy because trust me it's not but like all the other stuff is you know just basic I feel like yeah. if you're renovating a house and like um I just think that it bridges a lot of those things together and it has given and then, us and a lot business, of skill and the yeah. business side yeah mm-hmm. you know sharing our experience with the business side um estimating your bid process uh you know how to vet clients without having to leave the house yeah just little things that you learn that you can share for other people who are trying to do it or it's just that little mindset that like every job is not your job. You know, you do not need to take the job, every single job, because if you have to go out and buy a tool to do it, get a job done, likely you ain't making money on that job because you probably don't even know how to not, do it. Not always, not always. Ooh, if remember you... that day that you were like, I'm going to go widen the, these door frames for this guy. No. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm going to take this job. And like, he needed his door frames widened because he, was his was, wife broke his leg oh his wife broke her leg she was and in like, a wheelchair they had 24 inch doors she couldn't get through the door it was a disaster anyway it was but there was a lot of jobs like that where you're like oh well i can make good money in this like just doing this but it was never just that it was like something happened three days you know delayed and there was this issue and that issue and now the flooring now this no good and, deed goes unpunished yes yes you know just like when we when we started this journey the the end goal wasn't to monetize social it just kind of came to us Mm -hmm. you know i thought okay yeah maybe we'll get like sponsored by a brand they'll give us tools and stuff like you know like our mindset completely changed and after talking to matt like and learning a little bit more and being more involved and experiencing it we pretty much had to take our social and turn it into another business. Like that's how we had to treat it. Treat it like it was a business. Yeah. So like now we have two separate businesses. We have our tile contracting and the social media. Mm-hmm. And you know what though? There's a lot of people out there that'll talk shit about making money from social and doing whatever you want to do. Hear me out. There is a million different ways to make money. If I don't do it, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why down talk it at all? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. You're you're benefiting the industry. You're sharing things that are helpful to others. 
And that's something that I think is going to happen a lot more over the next 10 to 20 years is you'll be able to go online and actually learn about shit as opposed to right now where a lot of the shit is still gatekept. Like they don't mm-hmm. want you to know. Yeah. So here's I my, it, go ahead. Go sorry. On. You're good. You're good. Here's my thing about like making money on social, right? I literally, there's, I love TikTok. It is like another universe. I love being on there. I hate that app. <laughs> like it is, if you ever switch over to TikTok live and start scrolling, I'm telling yeah, you. Have you like, seen some of the people from Ohio on there? I don't, I just don't know where I am when I go on TikTok live. Okay. I have like, where did I ascend to? What other world? Because this is not normal. Um. Anyway, so I, it's pure entertainment. But anyway, I came across this big scandal on uh, like in the beauty community about this L'Oreal mascara. And it like this one beauty influencer has like 4 million followers on TikTok. She did this like review on this mascara and it looks like she put fake eyelashes on. So the whole world is losing their mind because it was a paid partnership. And for mascara companies, like they are not allowed to use false lashes in any of their ads because false advertising. Anyway, so, and if they do use false lashes, they have to disclose that legally. The whole beauty world is going nuts on TikTok talk well on my tiktok because i look at it but anyway so i don't disclaimer i don't even have a tiktok okay no one cares yes you anyway. do so jeffrey star who is like this guy who i know exactly who he is okay. very he, successful like he um came out of retirement from doing reviews to do this review about this mascara anyway he he made this comment in his video that oh well these beauty influencers are making a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to say, just to do that one little video. Endorsements. Like, literally sit there and be like, and I'm like, bro, we're building shit on our hands and knees, literally suffering, struggling, getting cuts, bruises, this and that, like breaking our. Have you mouth. seen Jeffrey's house? I haven't. I haven't. I like. Oh my lord! Just started watching his stuff just recently. They I saw do numbers. Like, he has a car collection like no other. It's in that that's what I'm talking about. I'm like <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I'm Where like going? I'm going with it that like people like I think that even in our in our space, like we aren't paid enough. <laughs> we are not paid enough when these people are like getting on there. They're not providing value. They're not providing education. They're not building anything. They're literally just like buy this $20 mm-hmm. mascara, look how good it looks. Like what you have to think about though is a market cap in general and how many people you have that could potentially buy this thing and that beauty in general is used by half the population versus construction, which is really niched down. Yeah, so, but I know that the company that I'm working with, just for example, and there's many of them, that they are definitely nailing down multi-million dollar commercial projects. And not just because of my not because of my content, but like they definitely there's a market, you know what I mean? And they're definitely making it. And in my opinion, it's like when I started first posting about the company that I work with, there's a lot of people who don't know who they are. The general public just don't know who they are. And so like their brand awareness Mm -hmm. is definitely low in in comparison to obviously whatever they do on the back end, the way construction really works in the commercial space is like all by face-to-face communication, networking, et cetera, et cetera, getting in on the bids whatever it is that they're doing. Whereas regular residential people, 
the average person has no idea. So like me as a homeowner, if I wasn't even in this trade, I would hire somebody and just expect them to know, but really they're going to come in and they're going to use whatever method that their grandfather taught them 30 years ago to install a shower, whether it's right or wrong. And I just wouldn't know as a consumer, I wouldn't know any better. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a big downfall just for my trade. I don't know about you, you, but like for I mean, my it, trade. It makes sense, but like the, the marketing budgets are all according to the, the product itself. I mean, look at Louisiana Pacific LP. That's like one of the one of the bigger sponsors, they have a $4.84 billion market cap. And then you look at like L'Oreal who has a $219 billion market. Yeah, they're, they're, their company's like 50 times the size. So they throw money like crazy. That, that's been known for years. But I, I think as the construction industry gets more popular online, more money will come out. And obviously the the views to pay ratio will climb. But I don't know. I, I know that some are paying very high and that it's well worth doing. And then others are just scraping by but i mean the market cap comparison is um kind of like the tell all until until they're up there which i don't i don't think will happen um i think the pay will be ridiculous in the beauty and the cars and all that crap than than construction yeah that sucks so yeah, my, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just wanted to close out this conversation um as far as the what we're talking about here if you're okay to move on yeah yeah go for it our goal was not to monetize social, but without the money that we have made, we wouldn't be able to continue to be able to do what we're going to do. So mm -hmm. while it wasn't a goal, it's, it's definitely beneficial to us because now we can provide a better quality service to, to the people who want to learn, you know, the so, people that go into it without the monetization in mind tend to do better. So that that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that was that was not the goal in the beginning. Sorry, Breck, I cut you off there. No, no, that that was perfect because I I was gonna ask something in this arena before we polish up, and it was gonna be around like obviously you guys have created a marketing machine. Uh, it wasn't the initial intention, but obviously this is um, like you're gonna be able to branch out and build more things around that tile chip brand or whatever you guys want to do. So my, my next question was going to be like, obviously you kind of hinted at the course thing and like teaching more, uh, modern tile strategies and everything and, and products. But what, what, what's the next thing that you guys are looking forward to now that we're in 2023, obviously you guys have taken off over the you know last two years and even more so in 2022, like what's, what's next for you guys? What, what, what fires you up? What's next? Good. So um, I don't know what you want me to reveal and what you don't want me to re reveal. So I'll let you reveal. I don't care. Reveal anything. Go ahead. I don't care about it. You go. Um, so really like our, mo our big motivation is to obviously keep going and honestly keep growing in a positive direction. But with that, like our big focus for 2023 is to be more self-sufficient, monetizing on social media, being reliant on brands is another space I don't want to be in because then it makes it makes me feel like I'm not providing the value the way I really intended to in the first place which was to just do it on my own whim and the only way I'm able to do that is if I build something where we can be self-sufficient without tile without brands it's like all reliant on us and what we've already built this far and like providing that value so like the courses I definitely am very interested and like I am currently pursuing creating a clothing line, but 
it's just, those are things that are like, it takes time to mm-hmm. climb through the bushes, if you will. Like, I don't know. Um, it takes a little while. And um, I know that none of that's going to happen overnight. So in the meantime, we are just going to keep going in the direction that we are. And with those goals for the future to focus on kind of being able to continue to bring that value to the audience that we wanted to from the beginning without having to rely on brands. If brands come along and they are a great fit, wonderful. But um, it's I, I just don't want to be in that spot stuck you know, and it just, to me, it makes me feel like I become disingenuine, even though like, I do like the brand. It's like, they put a lot of requirements on you as a creator and it doesn't always come across genuine regardless. And to me, I feel like my, what people think of my content, being able to trust it is extremely important to me. And I don't want that to be devalued at all. And, uh, like, I want to be the best I can be learn as much as I can give them everything that they need so that what I did in the first place actually counts because it really, you can get paid all the money in the world. And if you mess up, like the example I just brought up with the mascara, like people won't trust you anymore. All all you need is one time. And I don't want that to happen at all. I think you guys are on the right path to making that happen. So that's, I mean, we, we, we live in an attention economy. And what you guys are doing is continuing to ride that wave and provide value to your audience. But that's, we're already starting to see that is creators are going to create the biggest brands of tomorrow. There's already multiple examples of that. And I think, you know, you and some other folks that are treating it that way are going to build some of the biggest and most trusted brands over the next few years. I I truly believe that. Yep. That's my goal. Yeah. We just want in before you guys go public. <laughs> and also real estate. Like, yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, but that's like very long game. Yeah. Right now we're kind of like niched into doing tile. But our our ultimate goal is to be able to buy another house and create content in that house, like every step of the way. Like acquisition, talk about mm. the finances, what things cost, how we went about analyzing the deal to like acquire it. All that stuff, which also means like maybe a rebrand type thing. I don't really know yet. Like it's like all of these things that I have in my mind, because as it is right now, if Tile Chick breaks her legs, Tile Chick doesn't exist. And I don't want that to happen. So mm-hmm. a wheelchair uh, might make good content. Yeah. That's her true. bossing me around. Yeah. Pointing <laughs> fingers. You guys, you guys are on the right path. You're going to make it happen. Trust your gut. Get out of your own head everything will work. I told you guys that in 2021 and I'm telling you it again in 2023. If you, so, if you need, if you need a mental visionary, Matt is your guy. Yeah. Okay. Like he will. Exactly. <laughs> the most grimy person in this industry telling you you're going to do good yeah. for five ninety nine a year. <laughs> my I'll new, my new forget. service. So I'll we, forget. we close out every episode with a fast five since we have two of you um we're introducing the slow five because i have a feeling it's not going to go very quick um so we're going to have both of you guys answer question number one if you had to give up one thing tacos or coffee what would it be oh my god tacos that was quick uh, okay yeah tacos okay i don't know yeah okay, that, that drops us right into question number two whose coffee order is longer mine for sure He'll what go to Starbucks it? and get regular coffee. Um, my go-to. What is it? What is it? She goes on Instagram. She yeah. searches out what's his name? Macro barista. The macro barista, 
She scrolls let me through. Read, let me read one off. She scrolls through his feed, clicks. Who, or, who orders most of the time? Oh, I do, because I'm always driving. Because he's a control freak, so. She scrolls through his feed, finds a drink that she thinks she might like. Then she has to read off the order to me. Ready? White truffle cold brew. This I think I've ordered this. It's so delicious. Ready? Okay. Grande cold brew with one pump of white chocolate, one pump of caramel, a splash of cream, and oh half. Oh my god! And then ask for a packet of zero calorie sweetener. My fucking anxiety would not let me do that. Chris no is just like, all right, bear with me. No matter how <laughs> slow I talk to the people at the drive-through, they never get it. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> Number three. Yeah. Favorite tool brand. Um. Okay, so let, let me ask: Is there a category like just nope. hand tools? Anything. Uh. I'm a I'm a Makita guy. I I used Makita in the cabinet shop when I was 15. So. Yeah, I'm gonna have to default to that too. My my old Greek boss named Dino only used Makita. Dino from New Jersey. Dino from New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Number four. This one gets a little bit more. Um, well, it, it'll be harder to answer. Your one message to the next generation would be. Don't quit. Fuck it. Just do it. Fuck Ooh. it. Just do it. Don't quit. Wow. Yeah. Number if you five. Want to do something, go for it. That's yeah. it. Just do it. The, the hardest part is doing it. Just do it. Yeah. Number five. What does bread to build mean to you? So for me, it just means like, like, it's like in your blood to, to build shit. You know what I mean? Like, it makes you happy. It brings you some sort of positive to your life. Like, like for me, there is no better feeling than when we finish a room. It, it doesn't even have to be finished, truthfully. Like one stage can be done. I stand there. I stare at everything we do. And like, I feel so proud every mm -hmm. time. And um like that's what it means to me it's like it's rewarding yeah it's so it's rewarding on another level that unless you experience it you have no idea i'm gonna take it <clears throat> i'm gonna go very literal literally like <laughs> bread to build right you're bred to build you're born to build something and whatever that may be from when you're a child to when you grow up you know you just got to do build whatever whatever it is that's going to make you happy and you know, if that's going to college and starting a family, then, you know, do it, do it a hundred percent. Don't, don't be lazy. If you want to want to build yourself a family, be a good father. If you want to build a business, be, be a good business owner and, and just be a good person in general. And, you know, we're, you only get one life. Do, what, make, do what makes you happy. It's a short life. I'm 35. Um, Flew by. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from all the things that I've learned, it's just, just you're, you're put on this earth for one purpose. And once you find that purpose, I still don't know what it is. You know, it changes as I, as I've grown up and, um, you know, build a life that you're happy with. I like it. I like well, that one. You, you guys are going to feel younger in Vegas with me. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm looking, yeah. don't, don't shake your head. No, you're going to, we're going to need another vacation after we get back from Vegas with you. <laughs> Did you guys watch The Sopranos? No, I have. Okay, like the one episode where like he's at Bada Bing, Tony comes out of the Bada Bing and like I guess he was there all night and his shirt's all like messed up and he looks <laughs> exhausted. Like 
he comes out and like it's daylight and his eyes are all like this like I'm like that's us when we leave Vegas like I just feel it sucks my soul out you know I was just there a month ago I left the roulette table at four in the morning so you guys are in for a treat it will be we'll be leaving at 11 I'll be sleeping on the floor next to the floor (laughs) all right Brett close us out buddy guys Thanks so much for joining us on the Bread of Build podcast. Before we let you off the hook, uh, where can people find and connect with you? On all social media platforms, at that tile chick, everywhere. At that uh, that tile chick at gmail.com. Yeah, that's my email. That, and I promise we're going to answer. That tile chick.com. Yeah, there we Boom. go.